Hey, Northeast Pennsylvania, it's Rob O'Donnell here on WILK News Radio. 103.1 FM, 91080 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. If you don't have the Odyssey app, just go to WILKNewsRadio.com. There's a link there to listen live if you have your uh, computer near you. If not, you can always catch us where you get your favorite podcast. Just search The Rob O'Donnell Show or ask your smart speaker during 3 and 6. WILK News Radio, and it will play for you. Maybe take a couple attempts, but you got to really punctuate it properly. How's everyone doing on this Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024? 308 here in Northeast Pennsylvania, 36 degrees and cloudy. The Rob O'Donnell Show is brought to you by Road Scholar Transport. You have unique shipping needs, and Road Scholar has unique shipping solutions. Dry van, temperature controlled, and high security are just a few. Visit roadscholar.com. We're going to get into you know some local stuff here in a minute, but if, if you're listening later, if you're listening and plan on listening, I, I really encourage you to listen at the 4 o'clock hour because I'm going to have Commander Kurt Leopold, United States Navy retired. He was the commanding officer of the USS Cole when it came under a suicide attack by al-Qaeda in the port of Aden in Yemen on October 12, 2000. He uh, knows his stuff. He's a 1981 U.S. Naval Academy graduate, Naval Pulse Graduate School, also a graduate of the United States Army Command and General Staff College and the Joint Forces Staff College. He was the commander of an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer, the USS Cole. And that's what's been on a defensive mode in the Red Sea for the past month and a half. They've come under attack. Our Navy's come under attack. Commercial ships have come under attack. And it's, it's causing havoc in the area from a group, the Houthi rebels in Yemen, that are Iranian-backed troublemakers known in that area. But there's been uh, dozens upon dozens of one-way attack drones, anti-ship ballistic missiles, and land cruise missiles, as well as fast uh, attack boats to cause havoc in the area. And uh, our, our Navy has responded Four Arleigh Burke-class destroyers have taken action. One of them uh, was just awarded by the Navy commander of the region for their acts. We're going to talk about that, but uh, no better expert. Listen, if you want the facts, if you want what's really going on, you go to the experts, and that's what I bring you here. And, And Commander Kirk Leopold, U.S. Navy, knows what he's talking about. He was there, done that has been the victim of a terrorist attack, overcame it, led his troops, lost troops and, uh, and sailors. And uh, he's one of the foremost experts on something like this, as I consider. I've had him on the show once before, and it was just astounding, the interview. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to have Captain, United States Navy Captain, retired Kevin Miller, who is a squadron commander of the Gunslingers of FA-18, squadron and uh, they have also taken action over the red sea in the mediterranean uh, having the first air-to-air kills since 2017 i'm gonna have him on tomorrow he's the the best-selling author of the trilogy book raven one and we're going to talk about that uh tomorrow but today you don't want to miss today and tomorrow at the four o'clock hour that's all i'm saying i i will put the military experts that i bring on this show up against any news agency in the country if not the world because they are truly the best of the best Kirk Leopold's on Fox News all the time. Kevin Miller is, is, does tons of appearances. Uh, Admiral Becker, 
you know, was the director of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, world-renowned. Admiral, uh, doing, doing incredible things out there, keeping our country safe, even after retirement, because uh, once you wear that uniform, it truly, um, it's part of you forever. And I'm glad there are men and women like that in this world. I'm glad there's men and women like that that I can lean on for to talk to, to bounce things off of, to get advice from. And uh, that's that's what I promise to bring to you. You know, I'll try my best to get the best, and and you're going to hear some of that today and tomorrow. So so no doubt there. Well, the new Lackawanna County commissioners have been sworn in. And I wish them the best. I truly do. They are our county commissioners. And this is one of those things to where I will give you the benefit of the doubt to you prove to me that you don't deserve it otherwise. And they are starting with a clean slate. Let them move forward. Let's see how they deal with some of the things that were dumped on them. Let's see how they respond to some of the crises that are going on. And, uh, you know, they're starting off. And it's, it's not necessarily a bad move. It's always good to take a sit back and wait and uh, sit back and observe attitude. When you're when you're a new leadership coming in, obviously they've been around. Obviously they know what's happening. They've had their boots on the ground and hands involved and ears involved in what's going on in the county for for a long time. I mean, let, let's let's not put blinders on it. They're not like they're totally new coming into a new environment and have to learn everything. They're pretty well versed in what's going on in the problems facing Lackawanna County. But they are taking that wait-and-see attitude. They're going to sit back with their transition team. They're going to take notes, observe from the inside with uh, real hands-on. And, and that's not a bad approach. I mean, some people might, might uh, you know, I saw a ton of stuff where, you know, one of the first announcements is Brian Jeffers will remain as the chief of staff for the two new commissioners. And uh, if you didn't know, Commissioner Bill Gahan was uh, picked as the president. The, the chairman of the commissioner's seat, whatever they call themselves these days. And uh, Matt McGloin will be vice chairman. And uh, you'll have uh, Chermack will be that odd man out. Hopefully that that's not what he's considered. Hopefully that's not how they run government. But we've all seen how Lackawanna County has run in the past. But again, this is a new slate. So let's see. But they, they've chosen to keep a, a lot of, well, actually all of their, the current staff, including the head of Office of Youth and Family Services, who is also the head of this new health department, which, uh, you know, should be looked at very carefully. Hopefully they, they're taking that very seriously, but we will see. They also said that general counsel and acting solicitor Don Fregerson will remain in the job. And, and that's not a, a bad move if you like him or not. His expertise on current legal matters make him exceptionally qualified to offer us advice. And I'm glad he's going to continue to serve. That was from uh, Gohan. As we've grown into our roles and start to shape our vision for the future, we will reassess these positions to uh, ensure they align with our long-term goals. Not a bad statement. Um, you know, you're here now. We're keeping you. We think you have the best 
seat to address things that have ongoing that have been moved to our administration, but we're not making any promises moving forward. That That's, um, again, that's not a bad ad, uh, attitude to have. They say uh, our transition team is starting to process, starting the process of evaluating and compiling information, so we don't want to make any rash decisions before uh, they come back to us with what they've uncovered. So hopefully the transition team is truly looking into the things, the problems. Listen, with, with any incident, with any administration, with any function, you want to do an after-action report. And a lot of times, that scares people. Now, an after-action re- report is to better the job you do. It's to make responses better. It's to make policy better. It's to make your decisions better. It's to admit where your shortcomings are so you can work on those things. Now, that could be done one of two ways. That could be done extremely harshly, which is usually pushed back on. It usually turns into a negative thing. Or it could be done as constructive criticism. It could be saying, hey, these are the things we've identified. And listen, if you're reading the papers out there, if you're involved with county government, you know where the deficiencies are. You know where at least to start. Now, where it ends, that's based on what you find. Uh, If you're met with resentment, if you're met with this is the way we've always done things, if you're met with um, silence, if you're met with non-cooperation, that should raise some flags for you. But again, I I think we need to go in to administration, regardless of what your predisposed feelings are, and say, okay, let's see what you got, guys. You're in charge now. This is the promises you've made. They're very public promises this day and age with social media and everyone having a cell phone and video and all that. Prove to us you're worthy of our votes. Prove to us that you're worthy to hold that title because, quite honestly, some of the last people didn't. And, uh, you know, that's just being honest. Look look at the borrowing that was done towards the end. Look at the, the way government has worked. Look at the... You know, the mere fact that county employees were arrested and there was unprecedented support for their legal defense, which is, you know, as per legal experts, just not the norm. Uh, What do they plan to do with that? I know those decisions were made under the last administration, but are moving forward, are they going to go to that circle the wagons attitude? Or are they going to let the facts roll out the way they may, the way things should be? Yes, you're innocent to proven guilty. I get that. Um, But to pay for someone's legal defenses when they've been charged with wrongdoing is a different story. But there's a lot of other things. That's one of very few, one of many things that this government needs to deal with. I wish them both luck. And I know the county is going to be watching them. You're going to have skeptics out there. Skeptics, you know, worse than me. I'm skeptical, uh, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I know there's people out there that don't want to do that. They've already written them off. They've already said, you know, these are just the, the good old boys, just new names, a little younger. I hope not. I hope not, because uh, in this day and age, you could do things different with the With the commitment and want to make things different, this area could be so good. This area could be so great. It is already. I mean, I've chosen to live in Lackawanna County the rest of my life. 
So, you know, it's far from bad. It's far from a place you don't want to live. But let's let's not make it a place where people question, you know, the ongoings. Let's not make it a place where the residents who live here said, ah, same old, same old in county government. Let's change that. And now's the time to do it. They took the oath. I hope they take it seriously. It's not something to be taken lightly. We see that oath taken all the time from our military members to our members of our state police, our local police, our fire departments, you know, nurses, our doctors, you know, school teachers, professors take oaths. And you should really take a look to look at that and see what it really means. I mean, you're a nurse or a doctor, you're an EMT, you're a paramedic, you have someone's life in your hands. No time for politics with that, and there normally isn't. You know, you're a policeman or fireman. You run into buildings, you don't care. You didn't ask who lives there first. You didn't ask the demographics, how much do they make, what color are they, what religion are they. You run in a building. You chase the bad guy. You run to the victim when they call for 911. You know, our teachers, they've, they've been the foundation of education in this, in this country. And, and, you know, I think that needs to come to a reckoning, too. I think we've gone from a place where teachers, and I'm not saying they're not here now, but teachers grew up wanting to be teachers. You know, I want to I be in education. I want to teach people. I want to give these kids the gift that I was given by that one or two, three, four special teachers that I had in my life. Where now I think you're having a lot of teachers that didn't know what they wanted to do during college, ended up with a general degree, and said, oh, I'll just go into education because, uh, you know, it's available, there's a need, it's a good job, good benefits, good time off, and they're doing it. Now, I'm not saying other people don't do that as well, but, you know, if, if you're a steam fitter, if you're an electrician, if you're a mason, if you're a bricklayer, if you're, if you're a laborer, if that's not in you, you're not going to last that lo- there very long. It doesn't matter how good the job is. You know, if you're a soldier, sailor, marine, and that your heart's not in that work, you're going to do your four years, you're out. You're done. Hey, I did my time. I don't want to do this anymore. You love it, you do it. Hopefully, our new county commissioners in Lackawanna County love it and want to prove it to us. It's uh, 322 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Here with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. It's 326, 37 degrees now and cloudy outside. Oh, there appears people don't want to give the benefit of the doubt. And, hey, that's your choice. If, if they've given you reason to not, then have at it. This is Rob. Text message says, yeah, grant the benefit of the doubt. Rob, that guy is the guy to change Spruce Street to Biden Street and the Central Expressway to the Biden Expressway. The same old crap, dude. And I got another text message. Uh, it's a great place to live, just corrupt government like any other municipality. I, I surely hope not, and I don't think that's blanket blanket statement. I, I think it's unfortunately more so than not. But if you're a politician out there, if you're in county, city, municipal, town, government, anywhere. You should be offended by that. You should be offended that that's, that's the perception, the overall perception of government, local government, because that's what this is. Um, 
around. I mean, Lackawanna County, it's it's been known for that. I've been here 20 years. A matter of fact, what's today? January 3rd. I found my house 20 years ago today. January 3rd, we, we found the O'Donnell Ranch up on northern Lackawanna County. It was the third house we looked at. The second we saw it, said, this is it. This is the place we want to raise our kids and spend the rest of my life. And I've been here ever since. Took a little bit to close, but um, been here ever since. So, yeah, January 3rd. I retired after uh, retired 20 years ago on December 31st, and it took three days for me to find a house out of New York State because I did have a residence requirement until I retired. Now, we didn't have to live in New York City. We could live in the surrounding area, and that would not be a bad idea for the people here making mandates that you need to live in the place you work. Let's do that with every agency. How about we do that? No, that wouldn't be nice, now would it? But, uh, you know, I understand the uh, skepticism. I, I, I truly do. But, you know, being that I'm here, being I'm on the radio in Northeast Pennsylvania and Lackawanna County is a big portion of that. Luzerne County, we're going to get to them in a minute. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you out. But uh, I, we, we have to want them to succeed. We have to want them to do things different. And it's up to them to do it. It's up to them to say, you know, hey, you know, you know when you make those controversial posts on social media and you type it all out and you have it and you maybe have that meme or a picture and then you think about it and you're like mm, yeah i don't want to hit send no you know that's just too it's going to stir up too much problems there's going to be people out there who thinks it's think it's about them and it's truly not i'm just going to delete it and you delete it and uh that's what a lot of these guys in government guys and gals in government should do <laughs> before they make those decisions and they have plenty of time to think about it and i understand you know, I'm not naive to the way things work. I've seen it from the inside and from the outside. But it's it's what it's what they will tolerate as politicians, and it's what we'll tolerate as voters. And uh, in the age of cancel culture, they should keep that in the back of their mind too. It doesn't take much for you to aggravate the wrong crowd. So uh, you know, I wish them the best, and I truly hope they succeed the best. But again. It's their path to make, and I'm just going to document it and give my opinion on it as it goes. So we'll see. Well, and here in Wilkesbury, Mayor, Council Chair, vow to cooperate and get the job done. That's always easy and good to say on day one when there's a whole audience of people looking. But again, I don't live in Wilkesbury, but I truly hope that's the case. And the, the residents of Wilkesbury should also think that. Listen, we, we elect these officials into their positions, and then we, we kind of pay very little attention to what the day-in-day ins and outs are. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. Listen, we want to live our lives. I get that. That's why not a lot of people show up to school board meetings. That's why a handful of people show up to county commissioners' meetings. It's why people show up to you know city council meetings. Very few are get involved until there's a reason to be involved. We want to live our lives. We, we, we voted you in to entrust the fiduciary duty and the day-to-day activities of your job and what it entails. We don't want to micromanage you. Matter of fact, we don't even want to know you exist. Just do your job. You do that, you do it well, it's going to be recognized, I promise. It, it is recognized when you do good things. I promise, it is. Look at history. It just simply is. But, uh, you know, again... With everybody sworn in, you know, I've seen Mayor Brown in Wilkesbury do some really good things. 
don't really care what political party he is. You know, when he does good things, I'm going to say he does good things, and I have. And I continue to hope to see those good things, and I think for a lot of it, I will. That goes for everyone else there. Now, uh, you have Bill Barrett, who was sworn in for his sixth term. You have Tony Brooks, who was sworn in for his third term. You have Mike Belusco, who was sworn into his third term. Jessica McClay at her inaugural meeting. And Stan Marin, who has an inaugural meeting there. And again, I wish them all the best. Again, I don't live in Wilkesbury, so I just want to stress that. But uh, it's a big listening area for us here. I hear from you guys and gals all the time. And uh, only hope for the best there. But just remember when they say and stand before you, the mayor and the council chair vow to cooperate and get the job done. Hold them to it. Hold them to it. As a matter of fact, I would print that headline, and I believe that's the headline in the Citizen's Voice today. Yes, it is, from Steve Makarski. I would print that headline, and any time they start going at each other, I would just go up and hand, I don't know if you can go up, but I would just hand, hold it up or hand it to eat both of them. So this is the promise you made. You can have disagreements. Just be professional and get the job done. It's uh, 3.32 here at WILK. We'll be back after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's 3.38. As you can tell, Jake's back behind the controls. How you doing, Jake? How was your time off? How was your new year? It was good, Rob. How about yours? Not bad. Not bad. It was nice to have a little break, but it's good to be back. Good to see you back. Likewise, man. Feels Felt good to be recharged and ready to roll here in 2024. Yeah, so you traveled down to the Mid-Atlantic for a football game, I heard, yeah. huh? Yeah, I sure did. Saw Kelly and I went and saw San Francisco wrap up home field advantage, 27-10 to over Washington. It was, like I was telling Nikki earlier, it definitely felt more like a 49ers home game than it did for, for Washington. I mean, the amount of red that you saw. I mean, throughout the stadium compared to Burgundy, it was probably about, I would say, like maybe about a 97, 98% red. And obviously just, it was crazy just seeing all the all the fans react to Philly losing to Arizona, which sealed up home field advantage for San Francisco. But yeah, it was a nice drive. It was only three and a half hours. Perfect weather. I mean, the weather on Sunday was absolutely perfect. It was 51 and sunny. So... You know, made a day out of it, and um, yeah, man, had a good time. That's good, good. Yeah. You're ne- you were near my old stomping grounds, of Annapolis. Yeah, it's uh, good times down there. Good area down yeah, there. Yeah, when I was driving down, I saw the saw the signs for Annapolis, and and the one thing that I saw when we were at FedEx Field, it was on the jumbotron several times throughout the day. That's where Army Navy is going to be out on December fourteenth. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, That's indeed. Awesome. It's a good place to have it. It's it's. Yeah, it's they they West Point complains because they consider it home field advantage for for uh, Navy because they're so close. But with that type of game, you get the crowd split from everywhere anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you think of Annapolis isn't too far from there. Obviously, saw tons of signs for Baltimore. I mean, they're only you know they're not too far from Landover and whatnot, and obviously very very close proximity to Washington D.C. And I think, like I was telling you, so. 2024 is that FedEx Field. 2025 it'll be in Baltimore, and then 2026 the Meadowlands, and then 2027 is Philly, right? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But, yep. And uh, MetLife Stadium, the uh, Navy's playing Notre Dame there this year as well. So there'll be a lot of local games for us yeah. in the area. Yeah, it's pretty incredible to think that 
San Francisco and Baltimore, they both wrapped up home field advantage in a matter of minutes apart from each other and whatnot. It was it was, it was was a great time, though. I mean, the game finished so quick. I mean, it, it finished about 345 or so because, like we talked about, Kyle Shanahan likes to run the ball, ran about – Ran it 39 times against Washington, and it's definitely going to be an interesting dynamic for for San Francisco and for Baltimore this weekend because you have the one seeds locked up. It was just announced a few minutes ago that Lamar Jackson from the Ravens, he will be sitting out Saturday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's the thing. When John Harbaugh, when he rested all of his starters in 2019, when he did the same thing, yeah, they beat the brakes off of the Steelers the last week of the season and knocked them out of playoff contention. But when it came time for that divisional round against the Tennessee Titans, they looked absolutely flat. Now, when Kelly and I were there Sunday, everyone knows about the phenomenal season that Christian McCaffrey has had. He sort of tweaked his calf on Sunday, and that's why you saw Elijah Mitchell finish the game for the 49ers. I think I think that Kyle Shanahan will play his guys for a good portion of the game Sunday against the Rams because the thing with bye weeks, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, you want to rest up your guys. You don't want anyone to get hurt. But then when you're off two, three weeks, you know, in between playing time, you see the rust. So because honestly, just like so many other people, that's that's the Super Bowl matchup that I have right now, San Francisco and Baltimore. So. Unlike the college games that we saw between the transfer portal and the NFL draft just made it utterly horrible. I mean, great, great games. No, I'm not going to take anything away there. But the fact that some of these teams had 14 of their starters sitting out is just ridiculous. State on Saturday. Yep. I think it was what up to about 20 or so. And that's why you saw 63 to three. And, you know, like I, I was mentioning just a little while ago, I think that Monday night. I think without a doubt, I think it's going to be Jim Harbaugh's last game with Michigan. It just has that feel to it, and especially the fact that he hired Don Yee, and Don Yee is the agent for none other than Tom Brady. Hmm. And when I talked to one of my best friends, uh, Kyle, this morning, he said just with all those connections with Don Yee and with Tom Brady trying to get an ownership stake of the Raiders, he has a feeling that the Raiders are going to pursue Jim Harbaugh. I still say it's the Chargers and – that are going to get Jim Harbaugh, and I say Bill Belichick to Washington. Well, we shall see. We <laughs> shall see. It's good to see you back in the control room, my friend. Good to be back, buddy. It's uh, 343 here at WILK. We'll be back in just a minute. You're with the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio. 36 degrees and cloudy outside at 346. Hopefully your commute home's going smoothly. Well... The national debt has surpassed $34 trillion, according to figures from the U.S. Department of Treasury. The nation's growing debt has become a source of concern for some politicians as the cost of ser- to service that debt takes up a large portion of the federal budget. No joke. The gross national debt topped $34 trillion on Friday, just before the weekend, after hitting $33 trillion in September. The U.S. Treasury confirmed on Tuesday, yesterday. So in just from September to this past Friday, we added a trillion dollars in debt to our national debt. Maya McGinnis 
president of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, said the new milestone should serve as an alarm for lawmakers and voters. We remain hopeful that policymakers will take further measures to reduce our borrowing, either by raising taxes, reducing spending, or create a fiscal commission, or ideally by doing all of the above. I was just about to say that. We can be a weak, divided country where our leaders fight, pander, and take the easy way out while we become increasingly vulnerable. Or we could do the hard work to be stronger, more secure, and more prosperous for the long run. It's, it's just another thing that's unsustainable, that we just continue down the road because no one has the fortitude to actually do things. And it truly is, at this point, all of the above stance. Raising taxes, reduce spending, and create the fiscal commission that are experts in the field on how we reduce this debt. It, it is unsustainable. A trillion dollars in just over three months. Can't continue down here. Michael Peterson, Peterson, CEO of the Peter's, Peter G. Peterson Foundation, say that six times, said the new milestone came just months after the U.S. debt hit 33 children in September. We are beginning a new year, but our national debt remains on the same damaging and unsustainable path. Following last year's debt ceiling deal, we quickly, we quickly crossed $32 trillion in June, $33 trillion in September, and now we're soaring past $34 trillion. So in June, we were at $32 trillion. September, $33 trillion. Now, end of December, $34 trillion. Looking ahead, debt will continue to skyrocket as the Treasury expects to borrow nearly $1 trillion more by the end of March. Adding trillion after trillion in debt year after year should be a flashing red warning sign to any policymakers who cares about the future of our country. In November of 2023, Moody's Investor Service gave the federal government a negative credit outlook, citing large deficits, high interest rates, and waning political interests in addressing the national deficit. And mind you, next month we're back on a fiscal cliff, half a fiscal cliff. I believe it's February for half of it, March for the other half. Got to do something. Got to do it fast. It's 3.50, times for the Bloomberg Money Minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It is uh, 3.53, 36 degrees and cloudy outside. Well, um, Governor Shapiro spent $92,000 on his Harrisburg residence, including an automatic dog door and a massage sofa. This is coming uh, from PenLive in the Patriot News. David Moyer was eager to share the news that his Sunbury Furniture Store received an order from a special client, the governor's residence in Harrisburg. Staff there paid $16,000 to Benjamin T. Moyer Furniture between March and June for mocha-stained maple wood armchairs and a matching table. They also purchased an accent table with two wing chairs, a writing desk with an inlay top, and six Adirondack chairs. Before he could celebrate the sale on social media or in advertising, Moyer said Governor Josh Shapiro's office told him to keep quiet about the purchase. He said the governor's staff told him they would handle any publicity. But Moyer said he never heard back from Shapiro's staff. 
Months later, after trying again to get a response from the governor's office, he agreed to speak when contacted by a reporter. They're just cautious because, you know, people are backbiting and they're going to spin this the wrong way, Moyer said. They just don't want to bring bad light on the governor because somebody will spin it that way. The taxpayer money spent at Moyer's store was just a portion of the total amount spent to furnish parts of the 28,000-square-foot mansion overlooking the Susquehanna River where the governor and first family live. In the first six months of his term, Shapiro spent more than $92,000 in public funds to update the decor, replace appliances, and acquire new dishware, kitchen items for the mansion, according to receipts obtained through public records request. Spending details provided by Shapiro's office show that in total, taxpayers paid more than $1.8 million to keep the mansion running for Shapiro and his family for the first 11 months of 2023. More than Shapiro's two predecessors spent in their first years in office. In 2023, adjusted dollars, the amount Tom Corbett spent in his entire first year, 2011, was 14% less than what Shapiro spent in the first 11 months of his term. Tom Wolf, who took office in 2015, spent 21% less his first year in office than Shapiro spent through November. And again, this is adjusted dollars, so this isn't, oh, things cost more now, that's why it's increased. They've already adjusted that. Manuel Bonder, Shapiro's spokesperson, said the mansion needed significant upgrades because no one had lived there full-time in nearly a decade. Wolf elected in 2014 didn't live in the mansion during his eight years in office, choosing instead to commute to Harrisburg from his home in York County. But his administration frequently used the property for hosting meetings and events. Bonner refused to answer questions about spending on the mansion in Shapiro's first year in office. The purchase can kind of speak for themselves, he said, referring to receipts and other information that the Lancaster Online obtained through the public records request. Bonder also declined to make Shapiro available for an interview. TV, sofa, electronic door dogs. In addition to the furniture bought from Moyer, Shapiro bought a $4,600 king-size Beautyrest black mattress and a $4,500 power-reclining sectional sofa with heat and massage features from Raymore and Flanagan, New York-based retail chain. On uh, January 19th, two days after Shapiro was sworn into office, one of his staffers was reimbursed for buying three 65-inch 4K smart TVs, one 75-inch TV at Best Buy. In May, Shapiro's staff bought two more of the same 65-inch sets. The TVs cost taxpayer a total of $6,600. In June, Shapiro bought a $2,500 Plexidor electronic door door, presumably for the first doggy Bentley and Bow. The door functions much like an automatic garage door does for a car. When the dog is wearing a sensor and its collar approaches, the door panel slides open. Once the dog enters or exits, the panel closes. The door was installed into a wall, which is more expensive than a doorway. Spokesperson for Shapiro declined to say where the the door was installed inside the mansion. That's actually not a bad thing. That's a security issue. So I agree with not having a comment on that. When asked uh, to comment on why these individual purchases were made, his spokesperson declined to comment. Anything purchased for the residents is to support 
staff and the process of having a functional residence both for living and for events, he said. The two-and-a-half-story Georgian-style mansion was built in 1968 in Harrisburg Front River and sits on a three-acre property that includes the West Lawn, Penn's Woods, and several gardens. More purchases by Shapiro, such as an 1800 for an unspecified member number of new toilets from uh, a supplier and $35,000 at a Reading-based food equipment supplier on kitchen tools suggest an expensive upgrade to the mansion. The receipts also show 30 other purchases under $100. Um, you know, typical things there. But just so you know, and again, I'm not... You know, it's it's a new residence for you, but just to know the governor did spend $92,000 on his Harrisburg governor's mansion, more than the two predecessors before him. But his thing was sound fiscal responsibility for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So, yes, it does. It is worthy of being noted. So there you have it. You got the information just like I do.